0: If you like music's greatest mysteries, you've got to check out Dan Rathers' The Big Interview for some incredible true stories from the biggest names in music. Check out the podcast sometime.
1: On this episode of Music's Greatest Mysteries, we explore the origins of a dance anthem that shakes the world and crushes its creator.
2: So I'm like, we got to sue these people. This can't
1: stand. I'm being disrespected. Later. Does MTV ruin Billy Squire's career? That was like one of the early cases of cancel culture. And finally, does the US use a form of rock and roll mind control to capture Panamanian dictator Manuel Noriega? A hypnotic dance single reverberates across clubs, stadiums, and airwaves in the early 1990s.
3: Like, there were songs, and then there was the power. There was nothing bigger. It was an anthem
1: of anthems. But who's got the power remains hotly disputed. Is it a
4: remix or a ripoff? The Power is a Frankenstein's monster of the music industry, where everybody's taking little pieces of this song and they're putting them all together. It's insane. But lost in the noise
1: of the remixes and re-recordings is the artist who starts it all.
0: Most of us don't know about the guy who created this iconic record.
2: What happened to me, uh, you know, I got robbed, man, got jacked.
1: The origin of the mega hit, The Power, takes place when sampling is rampant and songwriting credits scarce.
0: At that time, it was really crazy the way music was being created. It didn't seem like there were a lot of rules when it came to sampling other artists.
4: Vanilla Ice has Ice Ice Baby that's made from under pressure and they don't give him credit. The Beastie Boys could not even make the album Paul's Boutique today because to clear all of the samples on that album would cost like $5 billion. It was the wild west.
1: One artist that's about to get a taste of this dark side of the music industry is rapper
0: Chill Rob G. Robert Frazier, Chill Rob G. I remember him in the early days of the flavor unit, Queen Latifah. Uh, Jersey guy on his way up. He was
1: making a name for himself. Chill Rob G. signs a deal with an independent label called Wild Pitch Records in 1987. And two years later, he releases an album called
2: Ride the Rhythm. One of the songs on that album was called Let the Words Flow. Don't say this, don't say that, change your lyrics. Everybody's a critic, it's getting kind of hectic. My rhyme is authentic, so it shall remain. My writing exciting, never mundane.
1: Chill Rob G's song spreads to Germany, where music producers Michael Munzing and Luca Anzilotti spark to the rhymes. People in Germany say, oh, this is great. We're going to make this a
3: club song. So they put a beat under it.
0: What they pretty much did was just add the hook, which is the catchiest part of the song.
4: Which comes from a song by a woman named Jocelyn Brown, so her vocal gets lifted out and gets put into the power. The power the
2: hour, so These kids made the song in a basement somewhere in, in Germany and just lit a fuse that blew up. You know what I mean? We, we got a volatile potential situation. here.
1: Arista Records releases the dance track
2: under the group name Snap.
1: Soon, the power is dominating European clubs.
2: The guy calls me up, and he's like, yo, Rob, we just saw some guy performing your record on stage out here. Like, uh, I'm confused. The next day, I go to Wild Pitch to talk about it. So I'm like, we got to sue these people. This can't stand. I'm being disrespected. Wild Pitch's owner has another idea. He
1: proposes they capitalize on the song's popularity abroad and release an official Chill Rob G version of The Power. Chill Rob's track would take back the rhymes Arista stole and keep their new hook. So he re-recorded it. He used their
3: chorus, Jocelyn Brown's vocals, I got the power, and put it out here.
1: Chill Rob's version starts to gain traction in the US.
2: You know, I'm really like an underground rapper. But now this power thing is really starting to take off. It's getting kind of hectic. My rhyme is authentic, so it shall remain. My writing, exciting, never mundane. This was a huge record. My personality keeps my mentality based on real.
4: Chill
1: Rob G's single is becoming a monster. But that's when the powers in the music industry move in.
2: All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's another power plan off on another radio station. Like, I'm hearing this other version of the same song. Like, uh, what the f- is going on?
1: Coming up, the power dominates the airwaves. But which version rules? What they were doing back then with Chill Rob G and Snap was theft. And later, does MTV kill Billy
4: Squire's career? Nobody knew that a bad music video could completely destroy your career, but that is what happened to Billy Squire.
1: In the early 1990s, Chill Rob G releases his version of The Power in the US, but soon, Arista Records, who previously released a song in Europe, decides to bring a new version stateside, under the name Snap.
3: Arista decides, no, we're going to take you out of your song. So they end up cutting Chill Rob G out, putting in a new rapper, and that becomes the song that we
1: know now, called The Power. Aristo rewrites the verses to The Power, cutting Chill Rob G out of the song his rhymes helped create.
2: Now we have a brand new product, they say. It's like whatever we wanna do, we're gonna do. Nobody can stop us. We're Aristo power! Snap's
1: take on The Power goes platinum in the US, selling one million copies, while Chill Rob G's version is largely forgotten. Well, I've been getting paid for
2: my version. I haven't actually gotten my share of the record that they plagiarized. In my opinion, you know, the Snap producers, they bit off more than they should have. As it stands today, I have a problem.
3: What they were doing back then with Chill Rob G and Snap and all that, that was theft. Yeah, you know, I got
2: robbed, man. I got jacked. Now we're hearing it once a week. Try every day for a couple of years. Every day. You turn on the TV and your song is playing on there. Only it ain't even your song, it's the wrong version. A TV commercial comes on and again, it's the wrong version. Somebody comes up to you and they wanna say, hey, I like your song, I like your song, and they start singing the wrong version. This This is what I'm dealing with.
1: Chill Rob G is never paid for his contribution to Snap's version of The Power. But those that know the history acknowledge his legacy.
2: Yeah, I do hear from the people. Man, we really appreciate your vocals, your lyrics. You know, Uh, I mean, great. Great, I take it all with a grain of salt and and some sugar too, man, because it's it's sweet being me, man. I ain't got a problem being Chill Rob. Yeah, I would love to get that money that they owe me though. I really would.
1: (laughs) Few rock stars racked up more hits in the early 80s than Billy Squire. The Stroke, Lonely
3: is the Night, Everybody Wants You, Rock Me Tonight, My Kind of Lover, In the Dark,
1: and I'll throw in Christmas time is the time to say I love you. Squire seems poised to become a rock god, and yet his career is on life support by the end of the decade. So what happens? Is a cultural phenomenon to blame for Squire's demise?
4: Nobody knew that a bad music video could completely destroy your career. But that is what happened to Billy Squire.
1: Billy Squire skyrockets to fame as a solo artist with two multi-platinum albums, Don't Say No and Emotions in Motion.
3: He was working class rock. He was the jeans and t-shirt guy.
4: He shredded on his guitar. He got sweaty and threw his guitar pick in the stadium and he screamed in his songs. He was a rock god that guys could like and women could want.
1: Squire's rising fame coincides with the inception of a new cable network, which begins broadcasting on August 1st,
0: 1981. I want my MTV! I want my MTV. MTV.
4: In the early 80s, when MTV started, no one realized how powerful the music video was gonna become and how much influence it was gonna have on artists and their careers.
2: But the Bugle said it best, video killed the radio star. Video killed the radio star. In
1: 1983, two years after MTV's launch, Billy Squire releases his third album, Signs of Life. It features the synth-infused single, Rock Me Tonight, and blows up the charts in the summer of
2: 84. What do you do when you have a new single? You make a music video.
1: Squire wants to hire Bob Giraldi, who directed Michael Jackson's Beat It video.
4: Giraldi isn't available, so a young, unknown choreographer gets the job. Kenny Ortega directed and choreographed High School Musical. He choreographed the Dirty Dancing movie. Everybody has seen his choreography. But in the early 80s, he was just a dude who was cheap. Squire
1: envisions a straightforward video where he's prepping for a show, but Kenny Ortega has other plans.
4: Billy Squire said he had concerns when he walked onto the set and saw the satin sheets and saw all the pastels, but Kenny assured him it was gonna work just fine.
1: To say the set clashes with Squire's blue-collar roots is an understatement, but that's only part of the problem for Squire's fan base. It's Billy Squire's dancing.
4: It's awful. He may be the worst dancer ever. Billy Squire dances around like a small animal being electrocuted. Then he like slithers onto the floor and then crawls on his elbows. Like I've never seen anyone do anything like that. The sexy
3: army crawl has never been a thing. And then he rips his shirt open and
1: this dramatic pose that the camera f- uh, freezes on him.
4: And it's clearly supposed to be a sexy moment, but it's hilarious instead. How much cocaine was being ingested that all of the people involved with Billy Squire's career thought, that seems like a good idea? Well, one of Billy's managers saw the video and said, "We we can't let this happen. This can't be a thing. The record label said, nope, we're still gonna put it out. And then just everything went wrong. Coming up, Rock Me Tonight debuts on MTV. You can kind of hear the entire country simultaneously going, what the are we looking at? And then, does the US use rock and roll
1: to capture Panamanian leader Manuel Noriega? Billy Squire is one of America's biggest rock stars when MTV airs his new music video in the summer of 1984.
4: Billy Squire was building quite a big following and it really turned a corner when that Rock Me Tonight video came out. Billy Squire is supposed to be this rock god that guys wanna be and that girls wanna get with, but let's be real. He doesn't seem like he's gonna be bagging a lot of chicks with this particular music video. And look, I'm gay, I have no problem with gay things. But Billy Squire's image was not supposed to be this gay.
3: Homophobia is a really powerful evil tool and just a little pink on a rockin' guy's set and it took him down.
1: Ultimately, I want I want a video to show the audience what the band is about and not and let the music be what it is. I think that in the end, it, it possibly created a false impression of what the band was about.
3: That was like one of the early cases of cancel culture. Someone says, oh my God, did you see Billy Squire's video? All of a sudden, kids feel like they shouldn't like Billy Squire.
4: In the course of that video being on MTV, his tours went from 50,000 people to 10,000 people. Everybody just said it once, no thank you.
1: Not only do Squire's concerts stop selling out, but fans stop buying records. Squire fires his managers and MTV pulls the video, but the damage is done. They say MTV could make superstars. Apparently it could also destroy them. Squire will never again reach the height of his early albums. Rock Me Tonight is regularly cited as the worst music video of all time. That was four minutes, which gave people a complete misconception of what Billy Squire is about, musically, artistically, and as a person. Squire releases his final album, Happy Blue, in 1998. Stripped down to an acoustic guitar, he emerges from his MTV debacle, projecting an image that suits him best, a true musician.
4: He makes tons of money off of people sampling his song The Stroke, and he spends a lot of time gardening in his lovely home. Billy Squire is fine.
1: Van Halen, Boingo Boingo, and Rick Astley. What do they have in common? They're part of a unique playlist of songs the US Army is rumored to have used to smoke out Panamanian dictator Manuel Noriega from his hideout in 1990.
0: They decide to just go full psychological warfare by just blasting songs day and night.
1: Is this even possible? Does the US military actually use a form of rock and roll mind control to capture Noriega? The story begins in 1983, when Noriega seizes control of Panama. And for years, he enjoys the support of the American government.
0: General Manuel Noriega had been a very important sort of CIA asset. And then it started to turn out that he was very actively involved in the drug trade.
4: The former
3: deputy general manager of the branch says Noriega deposited tens of millions of dollars in drug money at the bank.
0: So the US suddenly realized that he was more of a liability than an asset.
1: December twentieth, 1989, the US invades Panama, seeking to capture General Noriega and extradite him on drug trafficking charges. I took this action
3: only after every other avenue was closed and the lives of American
1: citizens were in grave danger. But Noriega escapes and takes refuge inside the Vatican embassy in Panama City.
0: Noriega was very clever. So he went and locked himself into this little religious fiefdom in the middle of Panama and just holed up in there. And the US had absolutely no authority to drag him out.
4: And here's the US military and the top officials in the United States trying to figure out, how are we going to get this guy? The
1: army forms a perimeter around the embassy. They set up loudspeakers to prevent reporters or spies from eavesdropping on their plans. They turn on army radio, which takes requests from soldiers, many trolling the Panamanian dictator.
0: They played The Clash doing I Fought the Law.
1: Foreigner and ACDC. Judas
3: Priest, you got another thing coming. Guns N' Roses, Metallica.
0: Van Halen's Panama, which is just hilariously evil.
4: Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen,
3: that is George Bush going America, mother America.
1: Noriega resists the initial auditory assault, so the army brings in their psychological operations team to amp up their sonic siege.
4: Then it transitioned into a psyops operation where they were specifically playing music that was targeted to affect his mood to get to him so ultimately he would surrender. This is a common tactic used to break individuals. But
1: after two days, Noriega is in budget, so the military calls out its big guns. Coming up, Panama's strongman finally meets his match, Mr. Rick Astley. Was Manuel Noriega the first to get Rickrolled? December 1989, General Manuel Noriega takes refuge inside the Vatican embassy in Panama City. While diplomats attempt to coax him into surrendering through negotiations, American soldiers try another
4: approach. US military engages in a campaign of auditory assault where they're playing song after song as loud as they can possibly play it to drive him out.
1: Vatican embassy officials complain to the White House about the music, so the army pulls the plug. Noriega holds out a few more days until finally surrendering on January 3rd, 1990.
4: He was convinced by members of the Vatican embassy, and so ultimately, when he does leave, they kind of taunt him with further music on his way out.
1: So it begs the question, was Manuel Noriega the first to get Rickrolled? In the end, rock and roll does not directly capture Noriega, but the barrage of hits surely contributes to the dictator's fragile state of mind, and ultimately, his surrender. He is convicted of drug trafficking and spends the rest of his life in prison. A dictator broken by a string of American hits, a rocker brought to his knees by a music video, and a rap star betrayed by the anthem he shaped. They show the profound influence music has on our lives, and they're all part of music's greatest mysteries.
0: Thank you for joining us for Music's Greatest Mysteries, where we investigate the legendary mysteries surrounding the biggest names in music. Now remember, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go ahead and leave us a review, and don't keep the show a secret. Tell a friend.